Hi, Love Leaders. It's Dr. Shannon Roberts, your host for the Love Leading Podcast, where we discuss how to create connection in your most important relationship that God designed, bringing health and sometimes healing while deepening intimacy. Welcome to the show. Hello, Love Leaders. Welcome to the Love Leading Podcast. I'm Dr. Shannon, your host for this episode. It is a thrill to be able to be offering this for you today. As many of you might know and may have already taken advantage of, about once a month, I host a live webinar um, that walks couples and marriage um, marriages through a hour-long encouragement of things that they can incorporate into their relationship. It is chock full of really great information and tools and tricks and trades and encouragement for you to know how to move through your relationship in an honorable way that is successful, that um, you have practical information that you can incorporate And it is relevant today for you. And this next um, webinar is coming up. It's going to be offered on Monday, February 26th. And um, we want you to not only sign up, because if you sign up, you will get the link on how you can join us live and participate with questions and answers. You will get your workbook um, ready for you to have everything in one place so you walk away with tremendous amount of value within an hour. And if you can't be live, if you've registered, then you will get the replay link as well so that even if you are there live, you can replay it. Um, and replay it again and maybe experience it with your partner because maybe at 12 Eastern when it's going live, you're not even in the same place. So um, you're going to not want to miss this. But today, because um, I want you to have a preview of what you would be signing up for and what is coming up, I am going to allow a portion of that webinar to play on the podcast today to just whet your appetite. And listen, you might um, not necessarily need this, but I can't imagine why not, because anyone that's married or anyone that's been in a committed long-term relationship for a long period of time, we're all in a state of growth, right? So who couldn't benefit from more information on how to learn how to love well in our most important relationship. But if you don't, and you want to pass this information on to maybe someone that really might could benefit from this free resource, please do so. Share this episode or share the link that's in the show notes on how you can and maybe someone else you know and love can register for this free event. It's coming up again, February 26th. It's going to be live at noon Eastern time. And if you register, you'll get the replay link and your workbook. So join me there on February 26th. Enjoy the show. Welcome. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Shannon Roberts, and I am going to be your hostess today for your Marriage Momentum webinar. So excited to have you guys here. We are going to cover some really great material that's new to this year, Marriage Momentum. If you're here, it's because one, um, you want to continue to build that which you have, or two, you might really are in a place of, you know, maybe hurt and pain because you know it's less than what it could be. And you don't want to settle for that mediocrity or just have plain vanilla for the rest of your life when um, you are, you know, in that close connected place with this one person. We might as well put the oxygen mask on and make sure we're rolling in the right direction with one another. So um, that being said, so here are the questions that I want to start with. What is momentum? When I think of momentum, it, I guess the best picture I have is a bowling ball, right? It starts right here. And through our energy and effort, we get that bowling ball off and running. And over time, it gains speed and inertia and power and strength, right? Before it finally gets to the impact at the end of the lane. Marriage is the long haul where we're hoping that bowling ball is rolling in the right direction that it compounds on itself so that it's gaining momentum and strength as it moves along and does it end up in the gutter because it's in the right direction to hit the target right are you in your marriage heading in the same direction do you feel like you're both moving individually and collectively towards the same destination and target do you feel as if you're together compounding on the same energy and speed and strength because a lot of listen a lot of couples tell me i i don't feel like we're any longer on the same page so are, are you moving together at the same speed hey and here's a big one are you enjoying the ride? There's that moment like, you know, it's in the sweet spot and there's this building anticipation. Are you in that place in your relationship where you're enjoying the anticipation? Knowing it's in the sweet spot, enjoying watching it roll towards your target, thinking it's going to hit well. And if you're not, I get it. If you're here for that, this is me. I, I share in this space, and I have for 30 years, helping couples either enrich their relationship to even greater heights of um, possibilities and enjoyments beyond mediocrity and lethargy. Those are ugly words, right? I don't even like them. Or I really um, assist couples in remediating, getting them out of the gutter, where you feel like, I don't know if I have the energy 
to get it going again. I don't know if I even know the direction I need to push it. And I definitely can't do it on my own. So I'm in that space and I have worked with couples for over 30 years, making sure that their momentum in their relationship is hitting the sweet spot that it's building in, in strength and power and anticipation and they're enjoying the ride. So sometimes we just need to pull over and do some maintenance checks. Sometimes recalibrate, recalibrate the direction, those directional maps. And how many times have we like sometimes ended up in the wrong place, either because it, the directions didn't work or we didn't type it in right. And we didn't even look ahead to make sure it was taking us to the right place. We just trusted the step by step. And then all of a sudden we're at the wrong place. So sometimes we just have to do a recalibration. Are we heading in the right direction? Did we look at the steps necessary that um, we're going to be taking? Do we even know what those are? So we're just going to take a pause this year, making sure that we have the necessary equipment and the necessary direction to get the kind of momentum where we are enjoying the ride. Where do we start? Well, got to check under the hood, right? I, I listen, I, I, grew up and um, I bought my first car at 15 and um, didn't know a thing about cars. I grew up with a single mom. You know, I was self-taught and I kind of knew where the battery was and I kind of knew where, you know, make sure that the oil had the oil in it. And I kind of knew where, you know, um, the radiator and the water levels and how to check all of that. So I learned but boy, howdy, it was intimidating to lift up that hood. And I'm sure it can be very intimidating to um, take a look under, to take a pause, turn off the engine, take a deep breath. We're not going to be moving long enough to realize all, is everything intact. I have devised an assessment. How, I mean, if you're like me, I didn't know growing up. I didn't have the role models to even know or understand what it looks like to have a successful, long-term, deeply satisfying and enriching connection and marriage. Had no idea. I knew a lot of what not to do. <laughs> but I wasn't really um, told or taught what were the key components but sometimes we don't know how to sustain it or find it we just think that maybe romantically happily ever after just happens but are we equally putting in an investment in time and resources and ensuring that the foundation of what we're starting at the wedding is going to catapult us into the long-term sustenance of the whole relationship because that's what our vows are we show up with a deep desire and want to at that point in time but do we have it so i have those kinds of couples that are doing that kind of due diligence saying 
Um, are we right for each other or do we have all the components necessary to start and love well for a lifetime? And those couples come into that office and they typically show up a little early because they're actually excited about being here, you know, and and they usually arrive in the same car. And, you know, when I go and get them into, the, you know, the lobby, they're usually sitting, you know, as close to each other as possible, kind of whispering in each other's ears. And they just have this deer in the headlight kind of glow about them. Right. And as they're walking in and I'm thinking to myself, oh, how cute. They found love. They found each other. I love a good love story. And I always get to hear it in my office every single day. But I also know the reality is that um, there is going to be a point in time that they're not going to necessarily feel as in love. And so they're going to need to know how to maneuver that. So my my job as a relationship expert in those moments are to, you know, help them balance those rose-colored glasses with the reality of, of the tools necessary to navigate when they aren't feeling as rosy. And then on the other side of that continuum, I have the very, you know, anything in between, by the way. So this is the stark reality of sometimes the couples that I do get. Gosh, they are in really hard, emotionally painful places. Um, the worst of the worst, all, the A's, maybe addiction or adultery or, you know, abuse or, uh, you know, some of them having had to experience um, the pain of separation or even the, you know, consideration of divorce ultimately. And I get even those stark high conflict couples, right? But those couples, they typically arrive in staggered amounts of time, you know, maybe just under the wire so they can just saunter into the office and not have to sit awkwardly in the lobby with one another. And they don't necessarily arrive in the same car. The tension, you can just cut it with a knife. They are usually not speaking. They're not looking at each other. And as they walk in staggeredly, you know, they might move all of those cushions to the middle of the couch, sitting on opposite ends, extreme, looking straight ahead, or until I kind of call the, you know, appointment to, you know, order, they're on their screens, right? And I know in those moments, my job as a relationship expert is to somehow help them find that renewal of want to again. So my question is, what, what happens if everyone who shows up at the altar to say their very willing vows of, I can't imagine not wanting to try to show up for this one person of my choosing for the rest of my life in order to have myself best um, case forward, my best version of myself to make this person happy, what happens? What happens to 52% of these couples in America today who say, yeah, no. I had to find these answers and it's been a lifelong journey and it's my joy to show up to you today 
to be able to help you identify what happens and what the problem is and what's the destination instead. And so this is the purpose of this um, Marriage Momentum webinar today. So let's start there. Okay, you've taken your moment to check under your hood to take the assessment. Okay, this is the big, bad, ugly. This is where we're at. This is where we stand. And really then look at the solutions on what we need to do to do the fix. And if you don't know what you don't know, those are the three steps that I can help you with today. So let's identify the problem. What happens from this moment of deer in the headlight, rose-colored glasses to, oh my goodness, I don't even know if I can, you know, spend the rest of my life with this person the way it stands today, you know. And this is what I hear from couples. And it's painful to hear. I love my partner. I just don't know if I'm in love with my partner. Or I hear things like, um, gosh, we started out as each other's best friends. I could not imagine a day that would go by that I wouldn't want to be with them. And today it's, I can take it or leave it. Sometimes I even purposely avoid it. So what happens? Okay. First and foremost, inattention. Listen, we're all creatures of habit. We acclimate. But sometimes it just makes us lethargic, unintentional, dare I say, lazy. Everything that is worth, that has value, requires maintenance, intentionality. And for us not to be driven by complacency, taking it for granted, because everything is always in a state of growth or decline. Yes, you chose and you vowed and there, you sealed a deal, but that relationship is alive and breathing. So it's either in a state of decline or momentum. And if we aren't intentional, if we don't put the oxygen mask on it, if then we acclimate to the temperature and it becomes nominal. If we aren't really aware, it can even erode. A part of inattention is not because we didn't we don't care or we're indifferent or lazy or whatever. We are driven by the fast pace of the urgent. And what I find with couples when they come in here and they're in this place of we are, we are not connecting. We're not on the same page. We can't communicate well. Um, I don't feel close to this person. I don't they I don't even know who they are today. You know, these are the complaints. Right. And they say we don't have time for each other. By 
you know, it's Groundhog Day. We we wake up, we um, hit the ground running. Everybody is vying for our time and attention just to manage the co-parenting and the co-host household management and uh, the careers and the, you know, all the, you know, uh, balance of life, you know. Um, by the end of the day, we're exhausted and um, we just want to do what brings us the most relaxation in the short amount of time that we have to even have renewal. And a lot of times because over time we've shifted away, the want to doesn't show up. And so we don't find time connecting because we don't want to spend our time that way. And it hasn't become a renewal source. So we let the urgent drive us. So we have two individuals that are just trying to survive in their own personal kind of lane. And we find that they are in parallel lanes with each other and they don't necessarily find each other. And when they do, it's hard to have a lot of reserve to give to one another. You're going, Shannon, oh my gosh, will you get to the good stuff? This sounds awful, right? But I, I have to tell you what are the eroders before we can get to where we're heading, right? Um, the other thing that I think is a really problematic is we don't really understand how the patterns and the influences of our family of origin attachment figures create areas of sensitivities and vulnerabilities in us and and when we enter into a you know more long-term attached relationship that this attachment science there's a neurobiology um, that I go into greater lengths when I work with couples in a deeper kind of um, connected way that they understand neurobiologically that that same attachment science this same attachment system that um, we are biologically born with, so therefore we're able um, to survive in our um, primary caregiving um, relationships. This same attachment transfers from our parents, our, our, our primary caregivers, sometimes parents, to our romantic partners, our spouses. And so if there's areas of sensitivities that were developed from our childhood, they show up um, in adult versions of that in our marriages and in our partnerships. And if we don't even understand what those are, then we, one, don't know how to address them in a, an effective way. And we don't even... Um, understand the dynamics of maybe the shifts that could create one healing but two better health and a lot of times these sensitivities we are aware of in our partners but we find them to be annoyances or idiosyncrasies and we don't really understand that we actually can become strategic healing partners in the way that we show up that can help reduce and fill gaps, heal. You can be used as a resource and a healing agent equipped by God to bring health and healing to our partners.
We just have to want to, we have to know how to. Um, and then also pain points of the relationship or even prior relationships. So sometimes we bring in whether it's, you know, second marriages or whether, you know, we've had significant relationship um, influences prior to the first, this marriage. Sometimes those can be problematic because these were attachment figures too. And when there has been pain points in the relationship itself over time, listen, because couples will wait that the, on average minimum four to seven years thinking about talking about researching, going out and finding counseling before they actually show up. So a lot of times they are in these kinds of interdynamic pain points in the relationship before they get intervention. And so a lot of water under the bridge. And because they don't have the capacity, the number one complaint is this next one, a communication effectiveness, because they don't have the ability to have um, communication effectively, those pain points get unaddressed. They get added to and piled on over time. And the emotional toll that it takes is the eroder of how we shift the stories we tell ourselves about our partners. We used to at that altar say, I can't think of a better person for me. I think that he, she hung the moon of all the people on this planet that I could choose to be with. I choose you to oh, they just don't understand me. Or I already know how they're going to um, respond, so why bother? Or we even get even more harsh in our conversations to ourselves about what we see and think about our partners. It's a big shift when we don't address the pain points in the relationship and they go unresolved and they grow roots. And then that momentum really takes a trajectory and it compounds on itself with the energy inertia that it goes in that direction. And then lastly, um, communication effectiveness. <laughs> when stressors hit the relationship and we add to our plates, you know, we acquire a small business. We're running a household. We're um, running a budget. We have role divisions. We have other ankle biter employees that show up on the scene that we're responsible for these dependents. I mean, life gets hard. And so if we don't have a way of communicating around these stress points in an effective kind of way, um, we don't have work throughs. We live in misunderstanding and distance. So therefore we don't have an avenue to feel back connected again and um we never get to that place of a healing conversation right nor do we get to a place of total vulnerability where we are really seen and known and we don't fear judgment we start self-protecting Oh, I would never share that with my partner. They'll use it against me. I don't want to have my partner know about this part of me because um, 
I'm not sure that I feel safe enough with their, them having that information or that view of me because I don't feel as secure in the relationship. I would feel insecure with them having that painted picture of my vulnerabilities, but yet that's the opposite of what was designed. If we're emotionally safe and secure in a relationship, we get to expose all parts of us without fear of rejection with the thought of acceptance. In fact, all of us know Brene Brown's research, right? That if we show up vulnerable and that vulnerability is met with acceptance and empathy, one, that creates emotional safety and security in the relationship. But two, it can even go deeper and really create emotional healing. Having a safe and secure emotional connection with a healthy, effective communication around those areas of vulnerabilities actually is the litmus test that is going to catapult you down the road with momentum. The standard complaint that I hear from couples is we just don't communicate well. They don't have um, problem solving, conflict management, goal setting, negotiation, compromise. They don't have healing conversations and therefore they stay disconnected and over time we just show up differently. It is the catalyst that starts the decline. So those are the problems. We most need to look at the warning sign of this communication thing. Because when couples say we don't communicate well, well, my goodness, that's a broad stroke, right? What does that mean? Because there's so many different levels of communication that are necessary for effectiveness in relationship um, success and longevity. So let's look at them because I have, as a relationship expert, I really have to understand what they mean by that. Those couples that actually take that serious apart from, oh, well, yeah, we do date night, but on their date night is all they do is get out their calendars. Or maybe one person is just going through their task list and checklists and doing check-ins, or they don't even have them at all. And so therefore, <laughs> they um, don't know what the other one's doing. It just creates chaos and, and stress and tension. So those effective um, couples have functional life management communication systems. They sit down, they talk about finances, they talk about calendaring, they talk about, you know, anticipated areas of issues that they need to roll divide. They address warning lights before they get problematic right? They take care of business, the business of life together, right? So that when they are able to go out on a date night, it's actually because they've taken care of everything that causes the stress and headaches of the relationship, and they can actually still have fun together. And then there's this part, conflict management, how we fight. Listen, <laughs> I've heard it all. I've seen couples that are both um, ramper uppers, 
I have seen couples that one's a ramp up and one's a shut down. I've seen couples that are both a shut downers. I've, I've seen couples that one's a shut downer and one is a move away from her. <laughs> I've seen it all in the patterns because how we fight is so important. And listen, we're, it's not our, even our fault a lot of times. A lot of times we bring in these attachment, um, self-protection, fight, flight, or freeze, um, action tendencies from the way we did life growing up or observed. Or maybe it's unique to the relationship that has been developed and we don't even understand why. Why in those moments I'm not able to manage my emotions well or I'm not able to speak what I need the most. Um, it happens. And it's a neurobiological self-protecting survival mechanism that couples don't even understand. So we get in here and we map out that cycle. We understand it based on kind of um, the, each unique individual influence. And then we um, are able to move and adjust those action tendencies in the heat of those stressor conversations differently. And once we're able to kind of get that cycle in the right lane and on the right functionality, then we have healing conversations. We go back and we start take, talking about the pain points that have been left undone, but we do it in a different kind of way. And it brings safety and healing and emotional shifts and those mediocrity and lethargy and, you know, nominality of the relationship heats back up to want to and passion and care, right? Again. And then we're able to really create that safety and security where we can go deeper. And it's not just talking about household management. It's not just talking about um, life stressors. It's not just managing conflict. It's not just talking about pain points. We're actually able to become each other's confidants and best friends and trusted companion again. And we can reveal and expose deeper aspects of ourselves. And we don't fear judgment. We get accepted and it changes us. And then we talk about the nonverbal communication. And that can be from our perceptions of what we see in conflict all the way to demonstrations of non-sexual and sexual expressions with your nonverbals and hopefully it is development of the culture of care and the adventure and the play and that's when the joy comes back so all of those levels of communication so lastly, and we got to really um, ramp up because, you know, I want to honor the time that I said that I was going to have with you guys. We got to set that navigation system to head in a specific direction to a specific destination. This is what I know to be true. The couples that work with me that get all the way through uh, my program are able to reach this destination. And this is what we put on the horizon. This is what you might need to know if you don't know, if you were like me and you really didn't have the understanding of where we're heading. Couples who have marriage momentum experience a, a deep felt sense of safety and security with each other, which deepens the intimate bond. They hit the sweet spot 
And as it's rolling, it gains momentum and it compounds on itself. Those couples are able to both reach for and provide care and comfort with one another through being able to show up loving, accepting, available, and responsive to each other's wants and needs, sometimes anticipating them. They have a deeper understanding of their partner's areas of vulnerabilities and sensitivities without judgment. It matters to them what matters to their partner. It matters to them what areas bring ouches. They embrace healthy conflict cycles as an opportunity to know and understand their partner. What we begin to learn in the program is that protests are absolutely necessary in relationships. It's equally as much of an intimacy builder to say, ouch, I don't like this, as it is, yes, I do like that. Thank you. And if we do it effectively well, and we see it as an opportunity of knowing our partner better and loving them better, then we move towards that in a healthy kind of way. And so that is a big bulk of the um, work that I do with couples is shifting the way they see a protest system and the way it's conducted so that it's a safe and secure way of reconnection and um, understanding and knowing our partner better, therefore loving them deeper. Um, they demonstrate the ability in their conflict cycles to have work-throughs, reconnection, and healing conversations for lack of time. I think I've mentioned this over and over again, so I just wanted to make sure I hit it one more time. They embrace the high calling of God's design for marriage to be a healing partner for one another. And that's a new idea a lot of times to my couples that, wow, I mean that much in my relationship that I have a effective entryway into the deeper resources of the brain for my partner to heal emotional pain, even if I'm not the one that caused it, and especially if I'm the one that caused it. Couples who have marriage momentum in, provide nonverbal and physical comfort and care. I can't tell you how many couples say they no longer kiss or hug or cuddle or God forbid, have sex. They enjoy each other through shared leisure or recreational experiences. They truly are each other's fun partners still. They laugh and they have fun and they they um, find the things in life and, 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 and adventures that they can mutually enjoy for with one another. They share a deeper calling, purpose, or meaning together. A lot of them find that they are able to do something bigger and better together than they could do apart. So, Dr. Shannon, what does that mean for me? What's next? Well, I have a lot of options for you. First and foremost, beyond the marriage assessment, um, you can also get on a absolutely free 30-minute consultation with me, live on the phone with Dr. Shannon, free of charge, to talk uniquely about your circumstances on what your next steps can look like. And then I have a couple of other resources that you might want to be aware of. If you don't know, I have a podcast that I show up weekly that continues to deepen the conversation about how 
my community can learn how to love well. I call them love leaders because they lead out in wanting to learn how and demonstrate loving well. And it's the Love Leading Podcast with Dr. Shannon. We're in the middle of a series this year called New Year, New Us. You're not going to want to miss it. And the next resource that I have for you is if you want more thorough information on the information that I'm giving you, buy my book. It just came out last fall. It's inclusive of all the new neurobiological um, literature and research and science. Also um, balanced with the faith-based component of what real romantic God-designed marriage looks like. And they don't disagree, by the way. The name of the book is Naked and Exposed, Learning to Love Well Using the Intimacy for Life Method in Your Marriage. It has been my absolute pleasure to be with you today. Let me know if you find this information helpful or if there's an area that really was resonating to you that you really can. I'm going to I'm going to have these takeaways. These are the areas that I want to continue to work on. Shannon, I'm going to continue to follow you in your love leading community so that um, by the end of the year, I can look back and see the gains that I've made and the momentum that I've been able to achieve in my most important relationship. So let me know what those are. There is one of these webinars every month is repeated um, information um, because sometimes we ingest it better in layers. So um, check out my website for under the webinar um, page. All right, guys, with that being said, thank you so much. Um, it's been a joy. Again, I'm Dr. Shannon Roberts and go and learn how to love well. Thank you for listening, love leaders. Be sure to check out all our links in the show notes and visit me at shannonrobertscounseling.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any others. Until next time, go lead in loving well.